Hi, and welcome to Let's Talk Forex with Alison and Chris. Um, following hot on the heels of our uh, interview with the HFM analysts, um, there was a lot of conversation there about trading psychology. And this week we wanted to cover a different aspect of psychology that always also affects uh, trading, and that's market psychology. Uh, so really hope you enjoy this episode. And as always, like and subscribe. And if you've got any questions, send them to podcast at fxscouts.com. Thank you. Hey, Chris, how's it going? Yeah, I'm pretty good, Alison. How are you? Yeah, I'm very good, thanks. Um, and uh, I, I hear you had a very eventful weekend. Well, I was just up in, in London for a, for a birthday. It was nice to be back for a few days. I'm glad I don't live there anymore, but it was, no, it was really nice to be back in the old stomping grounds. On that point, um, we are very grateful to announce that our audience has grown recently and uh, we have listeners in all corners of the globe, including uh, the UK. We've, our listenership's really increased there. And uh, we have a lot of listeners in the US and Australia and New Zealand, Europe, South America, and uh, many different African countries. So thanks for joining us. And uh, we just wanted to say a big thank you to all for tuning in. And we hope that you found have found this podcast interesting and useful. And yeah, thanks for subscribing. Yeah, thank you very much, guys. It's, um, it's a real pleasure. To, to share our ideas with you. So um, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about trading psychology in terms of individual traders and basically how a trader's own fear and greed drive their decision-making in ways that you sort of may not understand immediately. And last week, we had the analyst from HFM on the show. Uh, if you haven't already listened to that episode, please go back and do that. They had some really interesting ideas on trading psychology, which fitted in well with our last episode, and also how beginner traders can learn to manage their psychology. Yeah, no, they were really great, weren't they? Yeah, I think it fit really well with our previous episode. But this week, we wanted to tackle another way that human psychology affects trading, but this is broader market psychology. It's also known as behavioral economics. And market psychology is, is the belief that any movement in any market is the result of the emotion of the market participants. It's often used in, in media, you'll see it a lot, and, and analysts will use it to explain market movements that are not explained uh, by data or, or any kind of rational decision making. And, you know, we've covered this a lot. You know, we were talking about the, you know, the greed and the fear, expectations, you know, the euphoria of, of, of winning in the market. These are all factors that that contribute to a market's overall psychology. And the ability of these states of mind, uh, for lack of a better term, triggers periodic, what, what we call risk on and risk off styles in the market. These are like boom and bust cycles. Um, and, and their ability of the, of the market psychology to trigger these, these boom and these bust events um, is very well documented. Yeah, but it's, but it's very important not to confuse market psychology with individual trader psychology. Mm -hmm. um, and the difference is that the same factors that affect a single individual um, are, you know, they, they sort of play into the, the broader market psychology as well, but, but they are distinct. Um, mm -hmm. And as we discussed in that episode, uh, traders are influenced by different cognitive and emotional biases. Um, and these are subjects to 
the sway of the herd instinct. And uh, if you consider that there are millions of traders globally, it suggests that markets are not efficient engines of rationality, if you want to put it that way, which is sort of assumed by mainstream economics. So while fundamentals like uh, employment figures, like we've just had from the US or GDP growth or interest rate changes, you know, these all lay the foundation for an instrument's price movement. Um, the market psychology often overrides these fundamentals and uh, it, it can push an asset's price in, in an un- unexpected direction. Yeah, exactly. So like, you know, if investors suddenly lose confidence in the health of the economy and decide to pull back on buying stocks, uh, the indices that track uh, market prices were going to fall. And the prices of individual stocks in that index will fall along with them, regardless of whether the you know the individual companies are doing well or not, because of this groupthink, this herd mentality, this idea that the the health in the economy is poor in general. Fundamental analysis of the individual companies goes out the window, and everybody will start selling. And it's a very and you, we see it happen all the time in stock markets. Yeah, so. Uh, so what are the main influences in market psychology? Um, so there's a lot of theories, a lot of studies. It's, been a hev- it's a very heavily studied field. And they focus on identifying uh, these errors in human decision-making. Uh, and, and these, as you said, you know, these, these errors, they stem from these biases, you know, emotional, cognitive. And uh, some of the most common ones that we see are confirmation bias, something called loss aversion, a recency bias, and then, as we've touched on just before, a herd herd mentality. These are, these are four big drivers of market psychology. The first one, confirmation bias. So this is, you know, this is a natural human tendency to seek or emphasize information that confirms a pre-existing conclusion or hypothesis. So um, if you believe that something is to be true already, then you're going to look for information that backs that up, you know, and this mm-hmm. is a very common psychological error. You know, it's, it's a major reason for people making investment mistakes. Uh, investors and traders are often overconfident because they keep looking for data that backs up what they believe, and then they keep on seeing that data, and then it will confirm their decisions over and over and over again. And this overconfidence uh, will then result in a false sense that you know that you're that you're doing the right thing, that it can't go wrong. And so when something does go wrong, you uh, you're blindsided. So then this is a very common uh, effect, and it's probably um, probably something that's seen more in um, in stock trading but um, also carries across all, all markets. Yeah. As you mentioned just now, um, loss aversion is, is another one of these biases that plays a big role in, in market psychology. And it's basically the tendency for people to strongly prefer avoiding losses rather than obtaining gains. Um, so it's uh, closely related to it is something called the endowment effect. And this occurs when people place a higher value on a good that they own rather than on an identical good that they do not own. And this mm-hmm. is, I mean, this is common sort of all life, I guess. Um, the loss of aversion basically leads to poor or irrational investment or trading decisions. Um, so, and and how it affects traders is that they refuse to sell loss-making investments or, or trades because they think that they'll make their money back because somehow when they've bought something, it's more valuable than something yeah. that they haven't got <laughs> yeah exactly when you when you own it it's more valuable right exactly. um yeah no it's it's very basic human psychology yeah and it's uh, yeah loss aversion it's quite a big one 
Uh, the other one we mentioned is uh, recency bias. And this is a tendency to place too much emphasis on experiences that are freshest in your memory, uh, even if they are not particularly relevant or reliable. I mean, the g- a good example of this that uh, people often use is like, you know, let's say you watch Jaws, you know, the movie about the shark eating people. You know, <laughs> after that, people are much less likely to go in the water to go in the ocean. <laughs> but this doesn't, you know, but it doesn't make any sense. Uh, because, you know, the chances of you being attacked by a shark are still infinitesimally small. Just because you just watched a movie about a shark eating people doesn't mean you're going to more likely to be eaten by a shark. But <laughs> this is a kind of emotional, um, you know, the emotional uh, knee-jerk reaction that people have uh, with recency bias. And, and when you're trading, recency bias is really hard to avoid. And it's not always necessarily something you want to avoid, but it's something you need to be aware of uh, when you are trading. It's really important. Yeah. Yeah, this, I mean, it really sort of plays into what we were, or ties into what we were talking about with Stuart, you know. Uh, oh, HFM, yeah. Being, yeah, and just being aware of your your um, psychology when you're trading. But it's very difficult to take a third-person view of yourself. Um, mm. And, uh, yeah, I mean, this ties into herd mentality or groupthink. Um, when traders yeah. make a trade, because other participants are doing the same. And mm-hmm. uh, this is probably the most common bias. Um, and we we obviously all sort of inherently comfortable doing something because many other people are doing the same because you sort of think if so many people are doing it, it can't be the wrong decision. And uh, a good example is the meme stock madness of late 2020 or 2021, something we also chatted to Stuart about from, from HFM. Uh, and it's a very good example of herd men- mentality, though it was actually weaponized by certain actors on social media or on, on uh, Reddit, um, more specifically. Yeah, it was. So, so to be a successful trader, um, you basically have to analyze and think independently. And uh, although herd mentality is an important aspect of momentum trading, uh, something we also discussed a few weeks ago, it's important to be careful because uh, speculative bubbles are often the result of groupthink and herd mentality and uh, bubbles burst, as we've seen many, many times before. Indeed, indeed they do. Yeah, so how do you predict market psychology? I mean, how do we go about doing this? I mean, you know, as, as uh, I think most people listening to this will know, I mean, there's, there are two main market analysis methods. Um, only one of them actually pays any attention to market psychology. The first one is fundamental analysis, right, which seeks to predict uh, price movement by analyzing financial data around an asset, uh, usually within the context of its peers in that asset class. So for forex traders looking to trade the euro USD, they keep a close eye on the non-farm payroll employment data coming out of the US uh, to give them an understanding of the relative health of the US economy. So that kind of thing, that's fundamental analysis. But uh, market psychology has little place in fundamental analysis. And a lot of uh, investors, like uh, stock, and, stock and share investors, will, will probably try and stick to fundamental analysis as much as possible. But technical analysis, now that focuses on trends, right? And as we've talked about, you know, recently, you know, that focus on trends, patterns, and other indicators that drive uh, prices of instruments higher or lower. And one of the main drivers of price changes from a technical standpoint is this market psychology, right? And so let's, let's, we're going to have a quick look at how technical analysis can predict, not predict, but it can measure market psychology mm-hmm. um, in a number of ways. So the principles of market psychology underlies pretty much every technical indicator. So understanding crowd behavior is is crucial if you're going to comprehend um, 
certain technical indicators. So there's several trusted indicators that make it easier for traders and investors. And these generally look at uh, or try and estimate the directional changes on in sentiment, in market sentiment. Yeah, exactly. And one of these is an indicator called Bollinger Bands, which is a fairly common and uh, you know well-used indicator. And it helps you to understand when an asset is overbought or oversold. Um, and obviously this only, you know, you can only really use this indicator well if the if it is set correctly. But it allows you to relate prices to specific emo- emotional stages of the market. So it's a very, very useful little indicator. Um, and another indicator is the VIX, which is the measure of the level of fear or greed in the market, uh, which is something that's uh, sort of inherent in, all, uh, in most traders' psychology. And uh, this, this is used to reveal sentiment in the market based on historical price action and, uh, and volume. Yeah, and um, you know, what, there's a whole set of indicators, probably using one of the most common uh, market uh, psychology predictors. There was a, a famous analyst, uh, it's called Ralph Nelson Elliott, and this guy studied the stock markets over 75 years, looking at all the data. And he noticed um, a really close correlation between investor psychology and price movements. And he realized that when crowds of investors reacted to external factors, then they invested in a certain way. And then this resulted in repetitive patterns, which created market movements that looked like waves. And now people you hear people talk about Elliott wave theory. And, and the premise of Elliott's theory resolved around collective human psychology, where the predominant sentiment of the masses caused a trending market to move in what he called a five and three wave pattern. And this occurs in any time frame. So the first five-wave phase would constitute the main trend, and then you'd have a second three-wave phase that was a counter-trend. And um, nowadays, Elliott wave theory is used as a foundation of hundreds, literally hundreds, of different indicators. I mean, we were just looking at a few of them before on uh, on TradingView. I think I counted 114. Wow. Uh, they've got 114 different indicators that use Elliott wave theory. And, and most traders, look, if you're going to be a serious trader, then you you're going to use Elliott wave theory at some point and you'll use one of these indicators to give you an idea of of where it is where the, where you are in this in this wave pattern and a lot of traders actually use fibonacci re- retracements uh, together with with Elliott waves mm-hmm. um, and find that's also you know a very good combination of of indicators yep. Um, the one uh, issue traders often talk about you know in terms of using the Elliott waves is it's very difficult to identify those patterns and that's why there's 114 different indicators, and some of them are better at identifying it than others. Um, but yeah, it takes practice. It definitely it's takes not. practice because, you know, markets are unpredictable and it's never going to be clean and simple. No, no. So it really takes some, as you say, some practice to, to identify fire those waves. So to better understand how technical analysis and market psychology give you the most relevant trading information, one of the best examples we've we found was using Bitcoin. So... Hmm. Um, there are obviously many reasons why this currency is worth so much. It's uh, subject to the emotions of traders. It has impressive volatility, and uh, especially during specific periods. But this also it helps us to understand why psychology is so important. So one of the most um, sort of obvious examples was the rise and fall of Bitcoin between 2021 and 2022, which was, uh, you know, just in the last year or so. And there was actually another uh, another um, period between 2017 and 2018 where 
a similar thing happened with Bitcoin. And basically, it was the greed and excessive optimism and stories of people um, who became rich overnight with Bitcoin. And because of this, the price started to rise impressively with all the demand. But the technical indicators that the price showed that the price was being driven by emotional trading. And uh, eventually it fell, um, as we've seen fairly recently. And this left traders without their funds. And uh, yeah, and uh, it then caused a lot of panic and fear in the markets. Yeah, well, I mean, as we've discussed before, there are you know very few fundamentals with with Bitcoin. It's mainly technical, and which means mainly market psychology. Yeah. And so they're kind of and when when people get caught up with it, I mean, there are long periods with crypto where you don't you don't see these um, these spikes and these falls in price. But um, as you say, the twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen, and then the the twenty one, twenty two were the big ones. And and this is what happens when something is driven purely by emotional trading is that you're a much greater risk. Of seeing these spikes and seeing these crashes, but by doing your research, you can identify when market psychology is resulting in oversold or overbought conditions. Um, mm. And then, and then this gives a great, you know, um, what it's good for the traders is, I mean, obviously, when you can see this overbuying and overselling, you can jump in, you can make contrarian trades. You know, you can say, okay, I can see this market is overbought, and you can make a, you can, you can short sell. And research can help you jump on trends, like we were talking about in momentum trading, uh, but not chase them until they've gone past their fundamentals. Mm. And there's these indicators that help you do that. So yeah, what does what does market psychology teach us? I mean, I guess, I mean, as you said before, you know, look, all market actors are human beings. Not all. There's more and more uh, AI involved these days. Uh, there's a lot of trading algos out there, but they're built by human beings, and they're going to follow the same principles. And because these markets are just lots of human beings making decisions, uh, they're going to display this herd behavior. They're going to display irrational tendencies. They're going to panic sell when bubbles collapse. And they're going to, uh, you know, there's going to be a rational exuberance, you know, when, when a certain asset is catching on. And these lead to huge, these huge bubbles in markets. The important, important part here is that you have to acknowledge that it exists, a market psychology, um, and that understand that markets are not rational. They're not rational actors. They're not going to be- always behave rationally. So while fundamentals are, are an important part, they're a really important part of predicting future price movements, the technical analysis, which measures market psychology and measures emotional trading, these are a really important part of, um, of any trader's toolbox. Absolutely. I think that's probably the main takeaway here. And I think, I think that just about covers uh, market psychology, Alison. Um, is there anything you wanted to add? No, I mean, I think there's a lot you can go into with market psychology. Oh, yeah. That's sort of a rabbit hole that uh, sort of never ends. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, we were talking about it before this episode, weren't we? How deep we want to go here. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, we could we could literally talk about this. I mean, there's entire entire um, university degrees dedicated to this, you know. But I think we'll keep it short and sweet, keep it there for this week. Yeah. So I think uh, with that... Um, we are talking about MT4 next week. I think that'll be our... Oh, we're talking about MT4. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we're going to dive a little bit more into technical indicators on MT4, sort of mm-hmm. do a, quite a, a comprehensive look at MT4 and, um, you know, how traders can use it to their benefit. Yeah, that's a good idea. It's, uh, yeah, still, I think, still the most popular trading platform in the world. Interesting. And I think yeah. a lot of people... Yeah, no, it is. So I think... Um, I think MT5 is probably going to overtake it at some point soon. Yeah. But yeah, I look forward to that. Yeah, me too. Yeah, thanks, Chris. And uh, yeah, we hope no, you've enjoyed you, the episode. 
And as always, if you have any questions, please send them through to us and uh, we are very happy to answer them. And yeah, thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks for listening. Bye, Alice. Cheers.